Hey everyone, welcome to the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast, a podcast dedicated towards helping you stay healthy so you can stay on the golf course and not in the clubhouse. We will be covering all things golf, from fitness, performance, injury recovery, instruction, and everything else in between. I am your host, Dr. Russ Manalastis. I am a board-certified sports physical therapist and strength coach based out of Rochester, New York. Our goal with this podcast is to help you play your best golf yet while doing so without limitations. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. All right, guys, welcome back to the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Russ. Today, we've got a special guest, Mike Lombardi. Mark Lombardi is part of the performance team at Whoop Fitness Tracker. Mike's going to kind of break down what Whoop is, kind of the origin story, and kind of go from there. So, Mike, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for joining and spending a little time with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. So, Mike, like we kind of talked about, maybe kind of tell the listeners a little bit about your background. You know, maybe kind of tell them your journey through maybe your education. You know, what led you kind of into the performance space and ultimately how you landed with Whoop. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my background is actually in rowing. So uh, in in high school, I I played basketball and I rowed six, seven. So I I rowed it at Princeton University. And then, uh, you know, fitness has always been really important to me um, and and finding the most effective ways to to train and and understand the body. Uh, So I always was doing a lot of self-experimentation in college and seeing kind of what's the how can I get the most uh, out of doing the least kind of thing, uh, yeah. max, maximizing time effectively. Yeah. And, you know, after college, I stayed at Princeton and, and coached rowing there for, uh, I think it was three, about three and a half years. Okay. And at the same time, it's also where the uh, U.S. Olympic team for rowing trains. Yep. So uh, my wife was actually on the team. We, we met in, in college, but uh, she was on the team and I was always around that. So basically from 2012 to like even t- through 2018, uh, I've been working with uh, Olympic athletes for, you know, London and Rio and, and even up to whenever Tokyo happens. Yeah, right. uh, so that's uh, during that period of time, uh, I've traveled around the world. So basically 2014 to 2016, I traveled around the world, worked with some of the best uh, physiologists, uh, really, on, you know, New Zealand, uh, you know, a lot of people on the West Coast, UK, just understanding different philosophies and sports science. And it, it became very apparent that what we were doing are just collectively in the U.S. We're, we're, we're very far behind of kind of what other people are thinking. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I had created this sort of let's call it like fluid periodization, right? Within endurance, you want to build capacity over time. Yep. And a lot of people just go with the volume approach. Um, and effectively what we looked at was, you know, how many hours of sleep were you getting using SpO2 monitors for blood oxygenation, you know, urine color, mood, you know, if it was women, cycle tracking, things like that, um, to then augment training plans, right? So it's kind of a super manual way of doing what Whoop does very seamlessly now. But so when I moved to Boston for business school in uh, 2016 and we launched in 20, late 2016, early 2017, it was right literally in the, in the backyard. It was, you know, a quarter mile from where I was going to school. Sure. Uh, I said, Wait, I got to, I got to one, get this. And then after that, how do I get involved? So once I graduated, I, I joined Whoop in 2018 and been working with pro teams, college teams, you know, pro athletes, military divisions That's since. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, a, that's a great story. And I think, you know, your background and, and working with some of the best of the best and, and seeing at the highest level and then hopefully bringing it down to now the general population and the general public. I mean, I mean, let's let's be let's be honest. The general public can benefit from a lot of this stuff as well. Right. Not only just elite, absolutely. But, you know, I think the general public, you know, you know, 
weekend warriors, things like that, they can, they can definitely benefit from a lot of the, 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 the things that whoop is doing. So, you know, maybe Mike, tell us, you know, for the listeners who maybe aren't familiar with whoop, maybe tell the listeners a little bit about what it is, how it kind of tracks a lot of the stuff that attracts and, and kind of go from there. So whoop is a wearable device. You can wear pretty much anywhere on your arm um, just has to be in, in flush contact with your skin. So we're constantly pulling data 24 hours a day, five day battery life and, and completely waterproof. So this thing is made for you to train, right? So yeah. where, where whoop came from uh, our CEO and founder, Will Ahmed, he, he played squash at Harvard and he, he always felt like he never understood why some days he had a lot of juice and other days he didn't. So he did a lot of research into heart rate variability and he found out that this has actually been widely regarded as one of the most accurate indicators of daily readiness, but there was no way to really measure it in in sort of real time besides, uh, you know, very expensive things that only look at it at a point in time. So whoop was developed initially looking at sleep and we can measure all these things during sleep. So whoop tracks three main things. There are three main pillars. It's strain which is how hard your heart is working, your recovery, which is how ready your body is to take on the day, and your sleep. You get a sleep score, and we tell you how much sleep you need. So we'll start with sleep, and we'll kind of work our way through all of these. So sleep is what we do the best. Um, Besides, you know, a sleep lab, we're as accurate as it gets. It's third-party validated by some of the most renowned sleep institutions in the world. We, uh, we are staging your sleep. So you, you wear this, you don't have to say that you're going to sleep. You just go to sleep. We look at how much time you spend awake, how much time you spend in light sleep, deep sleep, REM sleep, all your disturbances, things like that, your sleep efficiency. So we're giving you very detailed metrics on a nightly basis. We're also telling you how much sleep you need. So once you have, let's call it a two weeks on whoop, even before that really, but two weeks is a very accurate baseline. We know how much sleep you get regularly on average. So that's, that's where we're starting. Then based on how hard your day was, we add some time. If you haven't been getting as much sleep as you need, you add a little bit more time. And if you take any sort of naps, uh, we we will pull some time off. So that's giving you every single night, how much sleep you need to reach your goals. And you can choose, do I just want to get by? Do I want to perform or do I want to hit a peak performance? And you know, those numbers are going to be a little bit different based on that. So it's, it's custom sleep coaching for you. Um, and then, you know, you wake up, you see how much sleep you got, you get a sleep score and it's simply a percentage of how much sleep did I get versus how much did I need? So that's the base level. Then, uh, you get a recovery score from that, right? Um, so within the recovery score, it's one to hundred percent. I think it's 0%. You might be dead. Um, so one to hundred percent. And I, I think only to be fair, I think I might be the only person that's ever gotten hundred percent. And that was in the early days of whoop. Um, it's on YouTube, actually. Nobody's, I don't know if anybody's seen that again. Um, but so what, again, we're always measuring you versus yourself. And the three main metrics we're looking at in that recovery score are heart rate variability, your resting heart rate and your sleep quality and quantity. So I'll do a quick science lesson on those heart rate variability is looking at your autonomic nervous system, which is your sympathetic and parasympathetic branches. And they're speeding up and slowing down your body. Effectively, what we and we're measuring in, in milliseconds. So we want to see a higher number relative to your number. So uh, my average now is like let's say like 85. It's gone down since the pandemic and having a, an infant. Yeah. Um, but when I started on Whoop, it was like 50. 
So obviously you can, you can improve over time. So it's just, if I know that my average day is 80, then a bad day for me is going to be like 50, but I could go as high as 150. Right. So how, where my heart rate variability is relative uh, to my baseline is indicating how ready my heart is to receive signals to either speed up or slow down. Right. Okay. So the higher the number relative to uh, your baseline, the, the more ready you are that day. Your resting heart rate, obviously we want to see that trending down right. uh, over time if you're trying to improve fitness, but that's largely uh, just an indicator of cardiovascular health. And then that sleep number, you can go into deeper detail in, in, in the actual sleep pillar. Sure. And the last piece we'll look at is and talk about is, is strain. So a lot of things out there, including your phone, uh, you know, if you're just walking around, if that's counting steps, calories, all that type of stuff, uh, external factors. So how fast did I walk, you know, uh, whether you're playing golf and, and you have like, a you know, how far is the, the ball, you know, how did, how far did I drive this? Things like that. Right. The whoop strain score is internal load. So if you and I, let's say we played the same round of golf, yeah. we walked, and took the same amount of strokes, yeah. we're probably going to have a different strain score just based off of our physiology and based on our recovery score for that day. From a you know bigger perspective, let's this, I'll give a different example. If we run the same three mile run, same exact pace, that's we're going to again have different strain scores because we might have different physiology. Yeah. If if you're more of a power athlete versus endurance, things like that. So it's really what the strain score does is it it showcases maybe where there's some weak spots are or, or what your, what your best physiology is. And, and that could be helpful with anything really. Absolutely. Or what your stressors are. Honestly, we're now that we're going into the holiday, we usually see uh, those strain scores just sitting at a higher level, just from being around family that we don't have to be around all the time. <laughs> right. That's just right. the truth. And I think too, when you look at the low hanging fruit, you know, when you talk about whoop and what it measures, you know um, I think a lot of us can be better with sleep, right? There's no question about that. Um, even if we've got newborns, things like that, sleep becomes a little yep. bit more harder to do, right? And then strain, you know, I think there's a lot of things that we can control and there's a lot of things we can't control, right? But being able to quantify that with an actual strain number, right? To be saying, listen, this is where you're at currently. What do you need to do maybe from a recovery standpoint? What do you need to do from a training standpoint to maybe kind of alter based on how you feel? I mean, I, I think that's uh, the fact that it's immediate feedback as well. Like, I think that's su- like it's super important for whether you're a recreational athlete or an elite athlete, like getting that feedback is really important to allow you to, to figure out what your next step is. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we want this to be as low touch and high information as possible. Sure. So we ought to detect activities. Um, we ought to detect sleep, things like this. So you're not always spending time in the app trying to input things. And another thing that we, we haven't really touched on yet, but uh, you have this ability to create your journal entries. So there's probably a hundred ish different options of, of behaviors you, you can select that, that you might do. So whether it's, you know, caffeine consumption, when do you have it? Alcohol consumption, are you taking melatonin? Are you sharing a bed? Are you sleeping in the same bed? All, all these different right. things. Yeah. Um, and in the morning or any point during the next day, you answer these questions, yes, no, sliding scale of, you know, time, and we tie that back to your sleep metrics. So every single month, we're telling you how the behaviors uh, you're performing are either impacting you positively or negatively. And then you can take the next action steps from there. But there's real concrete insight as opposed to, 
hey, here's just some data. Like, what do I do with it next? Well, right. here's what you do. Like, you, you can make some changes or keep doing what you're doing. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, when you look at a lot of the wearables that are out on the market, you know, they give you a lot of data, but then it's up to the user to figure out what to do with that data, right? Whereas it sounds like Whoop gives you a very, very strong indication as to, hey, these are some recommendations based on how you're feeling or based on how you're performing as to what you should do next. And I think that's really important because most people, they, they wear all these wearables and they, they look at steps, they look at all these different things, but they don't know what to do with it. Right. And they don't know maybe how yep. to track it over time. Right. So I think the fact that Whoop can do that for you and give you a pretty concise answer as to, hey, listen, you didn't sleep great. Your strain's pretty high. Maybe we need to kind of focus a little bit more on the recovery aspect of things than just trying to kind of go balls to the wall. You know, so Absolutely. I, think those are, those, I think those are all really important because, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of different things are going to impact how we feel and being able to quantify that again, like we talked about with Whoop, it, it just gives people a better indication as to how they truly feel. Yeah, I, I, I think you know that data for the sake of data is not incredibly helpful. Right. Um, sure. And not, you know, steps, for example. Yes, it's great to get people moving. Yeah. But it's 10,000. I think someone just pulled that out and said, right. you should go, you should go do this. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to looking at the the impact of get, like you said, sleep is the, the thing that's the most available, right? Everyone's able to sleep. You don't need to pay for it how do we get better sleep and then move from there? Everyone's, you know, either using stimulants or depressants to speed, you know, we do the coffee in the morning and the wine at night because right, you know, right. that's what we got to do to get through. Right. But how do we try and, you know, fix um, our circadian rhythm and, and get higher quality sleep so that maybe we only need a cup of coffee as opposed to four coffees before noon, right. things like that, you know, right. and, and hydration, all these different things that are going to help us get better sleep. So, yeah. I think too, like when, when you look at their injury recovery standpoint, like you know, we deal with a lot of people who are coming, recovering from injuries or dealing with stuff like that. And you know, the first thing I always ask them is about their sleep. You know, how are you sleeping? Are you sleeping enough? Are you getting at least seven hours? And if you're not, we need to start there, right? Like you, you can do all the training you want. You can do all the rehab you want and all these different modalities. But ultimately, if you're not able to recover as best as to your ability, then a lot of stuff that we're doing is, is maybe not doing it as effective as we could be if we were sleeping better. Yeah, people, people forget the recovery portion of, of that's part of how you get stronger and fitter and, and learn new skills, right? Yeah. If, if you're working on your short game and you go out and, and you hit 200 shots, right? And you, then you sleep three hours because you're so right. excited. That's not necessarily great for m muscle memory and sure. recovering to do that, right? Yeah. It's, it's just as important, if not more important than the work. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And this will, you know, what you can see with whoop is, am, is my body actually recovering? Uh, I, you know, you don't have to live in the green, so we can go look at that recovery score. There's yeah. it's by thirds, red, yellow, green. Yeah. If you're training hard and trying to make a change, you shouldn't live in the green. You're right. probably going to be in the yellow. Right. What you don't want to do is just go yellow, 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 yellow. Okay. Red. And I can't get out of the red because right. I've just pushed on, pushed on, pushed on we got to bounce back at some point and then you push again, right? It's, yeah. it's climbing. We plateau a little bit and then we go again. Yeah. So using, using the data to make at, you know, the right choices for whatever your goal is. Yeah. Just like you said at the beginning, this doesn't have to be for somebody that wants to ride in the tour de France. Like right. Right. if you want to be, you know, just a, a better dad or friend or partner, like it, there's, Everybody's better with sleep. That's right. the bottom line. Everybody's right. better with sleep. 
no question about it. No question. So, you know, Mike, maybe kind of tell us, you know, again, since you kind of, you know, started, you know, right when Whoop kind of, you know, kind of broke ground there, like, when did Whoop start to kind of notice maybe kind of gaining some momentum or some traction in the wearable space? You know, again, with all the wearables that are out there and technology the way it is, like, how did Whoop or where did you find Whoop kind of started to separate itself with regards to, you know, maybe being able to kind of, you know, find a lot of the people that they're looking for and be able to kind of provide a product that people are looking for there? You know, from the outset, we wanted elite athletes. We wanted the best people at, in the world at whatever they do yeah. using Whoop. And, you know, in the very early days, um, like Michael Phelps and LeBron were, they got like the first iteration yeah. and it still needed a lot of work, but it's cool that that's how people are thinking of it. You know, there have been, there were a lot of pro athletes that were kind of behind the scenes using uh, Whoop as I was when I joined, I feel like there are two real breakthroughs uh, for us. One was when, so I guess Scott Stallings is really patient zero for the PGA. Absolutely. Um, We can't, we can't uh, forget that people think about Rory and JT, but Scott Stallings is really the guy. And I think it could be because of our relationship in the CrossFit space. Sure. First. So, you know, Scott's really into fitness, hangs out with Rich Froning and, and all that crew. Yep. So he, you know, I, th- I think once Scott convinced uh, Rory and, and the crew to kind of hop on whoop, uh, I'm thinking, uh, God, geez, now time is such a, it's a time warp, but right. I was, I was playing golf at the, on the Cape and I, I was in the pro shop and somebody looked at me and said, Oh, I just saw Rory wearing that. And that was the first time that someone had, just kind of noticed it and, yeah. and recognized it. And then right after that, uh, we also had, we, we did Sober October with Joe Rogan. Oh, nice. And from that point on, it felt like, all right, this is whoop, whoop is becoming a known thing. Sure. And it's not just pushing in these like little circles where yes, people that understand performance are at the cutting edge. That's who it was at first. Yeah. Now it feels like we're breaking more so into the mainstream. That's awesome. Yeah. And again, when, when you think about golf, you know, Scott Sullins, you know, you can't find a guy that I think likes fitness more on the PGA tour than him. Um, he's super into it. And I, I think like you had mentioned, it sounded like he was the one to kind of push the uh, whoop towards kind of guys like Rory and JT. And even though they get a lot of the recognition, you, you can't forget about Scott. I mean, the guy was, kind of, you know, he was doing, he was doing fitness a lot sooner than the other guys were doing it as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's cool. We, uh, I, I, this is an interesting crossover space. So there's these guys uh, that work with, the buttery bros they're they're much more in the fitness space sure. you know former crossfit hq uh, media but they did a thing with scott and it's it's really cool to just kind of see how seriously he's been taking his training for a long time and now everyone's kind of catching up and i guess there's di- there's different versions right i guess yeah. there's the let me be fit so i can keep playing versus you know playing well and at a high sure. level versus the uh Deschambeaux uh, of the world who are let me uh, just blast the ball and hope right. that works out. So, I, right. hey, it's it's on the table. Like, there's not one way to win. And, and right. I think that that's proven over time. Yeah. Um, lots of different games and and it, it, it works out. So Absolutely. And again, too, like, I think when we when we talk about, you know, people using it in different manners and things like that, I mean, how you interpret the data and how you interpret it like ultimately that's that's why whoop is there right to help you kind of figure that out a little bit more right so if you just got all this data and you're like well my heart rate was up here but i'm not exactly sure what to do like you might be kind of just spinning your wheels at that point in time right so i think the fact that whoop gives you 
just a little bit more kind of a, maybe a push in the right direction, just allows you to kind of maybe kind of, again, figure out what you want to do from a performance standpoint, even just a day-to-day standpoint to get you where you need to be. It's, it's really about like progressive fatigue too. And since we're, we're talking golf specifically, if you're playing four days at a very high level, yeah. it's not just the physical toll, it's the mental toll. So what can you do to eliminate sort of dips and yeah. over time, you know, yeah. I, I can talk personally about this week. I started pretty, pretty high in the green and I'm, I'm barely out of the red right now and nothing's crazy. Like the sleep's pretty good despite having the infant, Yeah. but there's only so much you can do before you have to just put the, you know, hit the brakes and say, I got to take a day or two here to really just focus on building back up. Sure. Um, and over the course of a year or periods of time and, or, you know, the state of the world, it's important to, you know, give yourself that breathing room to yeah. come back up and, and level off. Otherwise, it's really easy to find yourself in, a, in you know, just being under-recovered. People like to talk about overtraining. Overtraining just comes from being chronically under-recovered. No question. That's a great way to put it. Because I think you're right. A lot of people like yourself, beginning of the week, they feel pretty good, right? But as the week kind of goes on, they start to kind of dip. And we're using green, yellow, and red as kind of an example there. Some people might even be green at the beginning of the week, right? They might be yellow and then potentially red midweek. And then all of a sudden, they can never climb out of there, right? So right. like you said, I think the problem too is, you know, when you look at fitness and what fitness means to a lot of people, they just think that they need to keep pushing, 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 and pushing, right? Whereas, like you mentioned, overtraining is just chronically under-recovered. Right. So if you can't recover well, you'll never be able to kind of push as hard as you can in the gym, even though you're trying to do it every single day or whatever. Mm -hmm. it may be. So um, that's really an important topic that I think a lot of people kind of misconceive is that I need to keep training to get better and perform better. Well, yeah, but if you're not recovering to be able to kind of you know complement what you're doing in the gym, then you're basically just beating your head against the wall. And that's not what you want either. Correct. Yeah, it, it's um, it's it's hard for people to get over. It's I, I need to do something. I need to do yeah. something. Yeah. Okay. Go, go do like 30 minutes of yoga or something like do something that's restorative. That's still going to move you, move you towards what you want. It's not nothing. Right. Uh, it's certainly not nothing. Right. So, you know, can you, how, how much are you hydrating? Like don't, we're throwing all this other stuff out there. Like I just got to train. I got to train. I got to train, pull back a little bit. And you're, you'll be amazed what happens if you actually let your body fully recover. I think, there's so many stories of people back. Like, I was in such a hard training block. I haven't taken a day off in X period of time. And then they take like 10 days off and like, I PR would everything. And yeah, of course you did because you actually let your body recover. You did the work. Now right. it's like, Oh, finally, here you go. Here are your rewards. Yeah. And, and the same thing goes with any sort of performance, right? You can't, there, there's, there's something to like being in like a flow state, for sure. sure. You don't necessarily want to be so recovered that, you know, you're off because, right. you know, you have, you have too much juice. You got to find sure. that sweet spot, yeah. but man, you gotta, if, if you're trying to go win the masters, I imagine you want to, you want to be pretty ready. <laughs> right. No question. Mm -hmm. So let, let's do this, Mike. So, you know, we know a lot of uh, PGA tour players are, are using whoop and, and maybe in some capacity, you know, maybe from your end, what are you seeing? Like, you know, like what are golfers or PGA tour players, or it doesn't matter like golfers in general, what are you seeing from maybe some of the numbers that maybe you're kind of just seeing over time? Like, how are they utilizing it best? Are they using it on the course? Are they using it mainly just to see what their recovery is like or what their strain is like? Like, 
what are what are you seeing and what are maybe some correlations that maybe can kind of just translate to golf there? So there's a few things. The, the first thing that people don't realize is that playing around is more strenuous than you think. Right. The ups, the downs, uh, especially if you're trying to play well. It, I don't think it's rare that anybody wants to go and just completely play terribly. Right. right. Okay. Right. Even, even if you're out with friends and it's just, Hey, this is social. It's still not fun to lose 20 balls. Right. Um, so <laughs> that person probably might have the highest strain actually because right. of how stressed they are the whole time. Right. But, um, so first off, recognizing that playing around is, is challenging. If you're playing multiple rounds, it's going to be very challenging on your body. So are you, the, the, the first thing is, are, how am I hydrating and how am I, uh, refueling just on the course? Sure. So we've seen people change their diet, just recreational golfers. I went from not eating anything. I just have like my water and a Gatorade and I, I roll to, yeah. yeah, I eat something every like six holes or, you know, I need a, I have a shake at the turn or something like that. Yeah. Um, that's, that's helping them perform better, sure. particularly as you would normally fatigue. Yeah. Um, I think there's that aspect to it and people will want to have a high recovery score. If this is their, like you said, the people that get out for one day a week, if, or one day, every two weeks, one day a month, you want to make the most out of that. Right. And what we've seen across all loop data is, you know, such positive performance trends correlated to higher recovery scores. Your muscles are ready or are more prepared. Your head's going to be uh, more focused. You can think clearly you're going to be able to execute the way you want, as opposed to leaving a bit more to chance. You know, the, the more fatigued you are, the, the more that, uh, the, the cognitive aspect is going to get disconnected from where you want your body to go and things sure, like yeah. that. So we're working with, uh, TPI on a couple different, uh, golf specific cool. metrics, uh, on, you know, what does it look like in terms of, you know, how do we recovery score relative to, you know, fairways hit and regulation and, you know, the accuracy of where your ball goes or how far it goes, or, you know, how many putts on average it's taking That's versus, you know, red versus green. So we want the, we want those metrics for ourselves too. We know we've done it in other sports and we want to continue to highlight to people. There's a huge difference between playing recovered versus under recovered. doesn't really matter. Um, you know, what level of golfer you are. Yeah. You know, you, we want you to go out and have your, we want to help you have your best round that you possibly right. can right. at least have a good time. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's be honest. Golf's supposed to be fun, right? As much as we want to play well and, and not lose 20 balls, like you mentioned, you know, golf is supposed to be fun. And you're supposed to enjoy it. Right. And uh, mm -hmm. I think the important part with that too, is, you know, when we look at it from our end too, we see a lot of golfers who just kind of rush to the course and, and don't warm up. And, you know, they, they get to the first hole, they take a couple of practice swings and then, they try and swing as hard as they can on the first tee, right? And then they shank it, and all of a sudden, like, it's just, again, you get up to the wrong start while in the first hole, right? So I yeah. think, you know, having, again, having some objective feedback and some uh, some data to kind of give you an idea, say, hey, listen, the more recovery you are, or at least the more prepared you are, the more likely you are going to be able to perform it a little bit better on the course there. Yeah. So I, I'm also I'm also that guy that shows up with, uh, <laughs> with no warm-up. I, I usually have done a warm-up. I've done a workout prior. Right. And I'm just like, um, I, well, my body's warm. And then the first shot's terrible. But uh, <laughs> by, by about hole three, I'm good. There you go. That's it. See, sometimes there's a little bit of a ramp up for people, and that's okay, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so, uh, you know, Mike, I'm, I'm interested to maybe kind of hear what your thoughts are. So 
you know, obviously we spend a lot of time in performance, but we also spend a lot of time in their injury recovery standpoint. So, you know, maybe, I don't know, are you seeing whoop being used by, let's say, um, PTs, chiros, like massage therapists, you know, people who are on maybe the injury side with their clientele or things like that with their athletes to maybe give them a better feel as to, hey, maybe what what's the treatment should be for today or, or what do we want to do this day versus another if they hadn't recovered well or things like that. Are you seeing that at all? Absolutely. And I think that's part of that. That's definitely something we're trying to push even further. Sure. Uh, we want to make it accessible to anyone that's working with athletes or individuals, PT, yeah. um, training person, you know, one-on-one yeah. training, yeah. Th- things like that, uh, to better inform, uh, that day. Yes. So it's one of those things where everybody from the individual standpoint, who's wearing whoop, everyone has that moment where they didn't necessarily believe the data and they went and did something and then they messed themselves up. They're like, right. okay, yep, right. this is real. Uh, you know, if we have people who can also understand data uh, and look at someone who might be a little more stubborn and be like, no, 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 you need to do this. Yeah. And we've seen people with chronic pain use, or, or people that are treating chronic pain use whoop to see if what, the, uh, what treatment they're giving is working. Sure. You know, PT for sure. On the flip side, when you get injured and you might not know it, we see that recovery score dip because you basically can't sleep right. or you're going to get lighter sleep. You can't slip into that deep sleep. Right. So we've seen that when people have quick injury, you know, whether it's, you know, a shoulder, elbow, knee, anything, neck, uh, the, you're going to see something happen immediately. Uh, and then if you work with a PT or a Cairo and that gets released, how quickly that recovery score can come back up. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that's cool. And I think that's something that, you know, we're kind of looking again, what can we do from a competitive advantage standpoint to kind of be ahead of the curve, right? Yes. You know, again, when all of our clients come in, we give them readiness questionnaire scores. Yeah. How are you feeling? How'd you sleep? Things like that. And again, it's subjective to them. Right. But if they have data, right. And it says, okay, well, you say you, you feel like this, but yet your whoop score tells a different story that might potentially alter what we want to do that day from either a training or a recovery standpoint. And, you know, especially too, with a lot of our clients that are maybe further down the line there and, you know, maybe our reconditioning and improving capacity, get back to a higher level to reduce re-aggravation rates or things like that. Like that's where we really want to know. Like if they're in the yellow or the red and they've got like practice or they got a competition or something like that, like, can we use that data to determine whether or not, Hey, should we be doing this or should we not be doing this? Right. Because ultimately, yeah. if, if that data tells them a different story than what they feel, or maybe that data tells them what they think they feel currently, like, yeah, I kind of feel sluggish today, then hopefully they, they can relay that information to us and then we can make a better collaborative decision as to what they need to do that day. Right. So you know, I always kind of look at it from that standpoint, too, and figure out, OK, well, how can we best serve our clientele to give them you know, information that is well worthy of making sure that we can get them to where they need to be as fast as possible? Absolutely. And uh, I, I love how you're thinking about utilizing the data and, and really collaborating, bringing, bringing the individual in as, as part of the process. Right. And that's, that's, that's important anywhere is making people feel like they are part of it as opposed to, Hey, just do this. Cause I'm saying it. Right. Um, <laughs> people are doing that now. Right. Um, but, but why people are getting smarter. They want to know why data is just more and more integrated into our lives on everything. Right. So uh, if you can explain to them, hey, look, you want to stop getting these nagging injuries. You got to stop letting yourself run into the, the red for four days at a time and expect 
and wonder why you tweak your your back on the fifth hole like it's really basic stuff so yeah it's the more voices out there to say hey recover recover trust me on this one Uh, right right we're we're gonna have healthier people and and that's the goal right there's there's some there's some people that just do enough to get you back in and i but i think really the goal is giving people tools to keep themselves healthy while still checking in and then reaching a new level. Right. So it doesn't just have to be, so let's fix the problem first, build you back up and then get you to a higher level. Right. As opposed to I'm just doing enough to F so you can F yourself up and come back. Well, that's the thing where like they, they, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, the, you know, healthcare in general, everyone's about getting people out of pain and yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. That's a huge part of the puzzle, right? Getting people out of pain is important, but then once they're out of discomfort, like then what are you doing? Right. To help kind of recondition them, to kind of build them up, make them more durable. And that's an even more important, crucial aspect that I think is is lost in the recovery process, because once people think they're out of pain, they don't feel like they need to do anything anymore. Right. They can just go back to CrossFit. They go back to golf and hit dozens of balls. And again, a lot of things what we kind of talk about with our golfers are, you know, what's your what's your practice routine like? How many balls are you hitting per week? Like how many times are you swinging? Because if you've got low back pain and you're still doing the same practice routine as prior to the injury, you know, we, we got to re reevaluate some of the stuff that we need to do to make sure that you can get back to that recovery that we're looking for. Yeah, I actually, I always use my parents in this example since they, uh, they moved to Florida a few years ago uh, when they retired and they went from playing like some golf to a ton of golf. Sure. And then all of these things started creeping up and I'm like, well, how many, how many rounds of golf are you playing? Right. You're like, are you doing anything to counterbalance this one rotation to the side at all? Right. Oh, no, no, no. I'm I, no, no, I, it's fine. I think I'm fine. I just got to swing more. No, 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 no. Like <laughs> right. play less golf, please. And I'm going to yeah. give you these movements that are going to try and correct you a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, my, my, uh, my mom particularly is the queen of, I don't know why my body hurts. I just walked nine miles. <laughs> so she used her day. She got like a twenty strain every day. I don't, she, God bless her. She she's never going to slow down. But um, you know, she's Listen, playing better golf now. At least that's good. That's good. Listen, the the the, the mind is willing, but sometimes the body is, is isn't always uh, agreeable <laughs> to what you want to do with it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Let's do this, Mike. Let's uh, let's transition to our what's in the bag segment. So we always love to kind of hear what guests are, uh, are swinging on on the show. So maybe give us the, an idea as to what's in your bag. What are you swinging from? Uh, Drivers, woods, iron set, put it all the way down. Uh, I'm paying all the way through, and I've got a, wow. an old Nike putter. Uh, so I have, ah. a, I have a custom set since I'm a big guy. I was going to say, you six, must seven. have a custom set there being 6'7". Yeah, a little bit, little bit longer, uh, thicker grips. It honestly has made a, a game changer for me. Uh, I, was, I was playing with – I think they – I was playing with the same, like, Wilson POS clubs I had when I was like 14 I just kept getting them extended <laughs> right and I was like why why am I not getting any better at this um and I I ended up just I was swinging so hard the clubs still weren't long enough and now I can actually just like swing like a human being uh and it's great it, I finally understand over the last few years you know how yeah. people actually hey be a little bit a little, uh you know not as hard man not as hard right. as hard. Sure. Uh, so it's it's amazing how that happens and it's yeah no the, the pinks have been great I, I enjoy them yeah i mean i think there's something to be said about being custom fit especially for a guy like yourself who's a little bit on the taller side yeah having a custom set is probably a good thing for you yeah I, to be fair though i don't play enough right now that it makes a huge difference if i rent a set and it's too small sure uh, versus when i i, I need a couple of rounds yeah <laughs> 
Well, let's do this. Let's do our shotgun round. Uh, what we're going to do is going to ask you a bunch of uh, golf-related questions. Uh, you're going to do your best to kind of answer as best as you can. If you want to explain, you can explain. Okay. All right. All right. Who's a uh, favorite golfer for you? I feel like everyone's favorite golfer is uh, Tiger Woods, but sure. uh, I think the person I want to hang out with if I was going to play around is Ricky Fowler. Oh, for sure. Right. I just uh, Lo love Ricky. I just love want that guy to win, but I, I, know, I love Ricky. I know. I know. Same here. Uh, you can't help but not root for the guy for sure. Yeah. Love that guy. How about a uh, favorite golf brand for you? Are we talking? Nah. It could be clothes. It could anything? be equipment. It could be anything. I'll, well, I'll say, okay. So I'll say whoop. Okay. Right? <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. It's tough. I think from, from like a clothing perspective, I wear a lot of Nike stuff. The shorts fit me well. Sure. Uh, as much as my, uh, I, I try and make the Travis Matthew work. My legs are just a little bit too big for the shorts. Yeah. So sure. I, I, sure. I, I'm trying so hard, uh, <laughs> but it just, unfortunately, it doesn't work. I mean, you can't, you can't go wrong either way. You know, whether it's Travis Matthew. Yeah, it's a, but I'll stick with Whoop though. There you go. Perfect. Um, how about like a preferred drink or snack while you're playing golf? So I always have uh, these vitamin water zero like the lemonade flavor nice and i yeah. think it's largely because that's what my parents keep in the fridge uh <laughs> but uh i always have like three waters and then probably two packs of trail mix there you go yeah and good. then sometimes i'll even bring like a like a pack of like a to-go protein depending on how how hungry i am there's no way i'm making it through 18 right. uh, yeah i don't know how i, I get hungry that. like every 45 minutes right. so it's a problem yeah. for me yeah, I don't know how people get through a whole round not eating something. It's uh, it's it's amazing to me. So yeah, I, I'm always and but when it's over, we got to get food immediately. No question. Nineteenth <laughs> hole. Nineteenth hole is usually a place I usually stop pretty often there for sure. Yeah. How about uh, par three or par five for you? I think three. Okay. Five five. I know that I know that fives hypothetically are easier, but I don't hit the driver well enough uh to capitalize and actually hit my irons and and uh wedges very well so nice. it's going to be a three for me nice how about cart or walk oh i th i think uh cart yeah i, I mean, think listen, cart. If, if, if you're you're playing all day every day like yeah walking is great but like if you're just there enjoying around sometimes having a cart give us some music in the cart there's nothing wrong with that either yeah i you know that's the thing i wish every place allowed music um my uh my bet my best friend and his family have uh they're in palm desert and nice. people have their own golf carts which is right. unique to where from where my parents are sure um, so to just be able to like roll out you got speakers <laughs> built in i was like right. oh this is how you should be playing golf Absolutely. yeah yeah the, 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 uh, our, our satellite locations at a private club here in rochester and um, a lot of the guys um live right on the course and they have their own personalized carts you know rims speakers that's the life that's the way to go that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> all right how about favorite movie caddyshack or happy gilmore i you know i saw this one i think it's it's uh, about time in your life uh right. happy gilmore was like a movie i watched when i was sick and like five years old and i was like i can't i don't even this i can't believe this movie exists it's amazing right. uh it's it's rewatchable always it's great i think as yeah. i've gotten older though there, I don't know that there's a movie I quote more all the time than Caddyshack. I know. It's so I, it, it's, there's, there's so much perfection in how ridiculous it is um, and how it just kind of like, the stuff just like applies. I don't, I don't really know why. Or maybe right. I just throw these things randomly. My wife's probably like, what the hell are you talking 
<laughs> but I, I think Caddyshack overall in the long haul. Absolutely. No question. Uh, how about a favorite golf course for you? Uh, I think it's uh, Farms Neck in Martha's Vineyard. Okay. Nice. Uh, it's, it's very nice. Uh, it's probably one of the nicer courses I've played. Uh, and we, we go to the vineyard, you know, once a year, it's where we went for our honeymoon. So, sure. uh, I guess what, it would be 2019. Yeah. Uh, we got, I'd never been like the first one off the tee on the day. So still, still a little bit of dew on the lawn, but sure. you know, early September, right on the water. That's awesome. It was uh, pretty outstanding. So yeah. it, it, I think that's the one. Yeah. Can't argue with that. How about uh, a favorite golf memory for you? Who favorite golf memory? Like a, a personal golf memory? Yeah. Either, either personal or professional. I mean, again, working with someone. Honestly, I'd, I'd say uh, <laughs> my favorite is watching Tiger win the masters last year. Yeah. I, it, it, it felt like such an insane thing that after all this time, it felt like it, it did feel to me like everyone was the weekend was done. Yeah. Everyone's watching. To, he's in the hunt. It seems real. Yeah. Everyone's watching. Cancel your plans. Right. right. So it's yeah. it's it's so rare for something like that to happen now. Yeah. Like it's like Tiger Woods and previously, I guess, like Game of Thrones. Like right. There's, there's <laughs> just like there's nothing that makes you stop and say, I got to watch this right now. Right. So, that's, I, so true. that's that I think that in recent memory, for sure, that. That's awesome. That's so true. And again, I think it, it, it's great that it happened last year and not without fans. You know, like if it happened this year without fans, yeah. I think we'd be, uh, that would be a letdown for sure. So it was great that it happened last year for sure. Um, how about mm-hmm. you know, someone you'd recommend we reach out to be a guest on this show? Uh, I did a, a podcast with Eric Anders Lang. I think he's great. Oh, nice. I think yeah, he's yeah. really interesting. Um, I love how he kind of thinks about golf and the way he makes it fun. Cool. Uh, similarly to the way that you're thinking of it from a performance perspective and keeping yeah. people healthy. Sure. Uh, I, you know, the way he's kind of like turned it into like a celebrity type of thing and, sure. and that he keeps it light, which is yeah. and he's just very real. Right. Uh, so I, I think from an authentic standpoint, he's great. That's awesome. Well, maybe we'll have to maybe kind of, maybe kind of connect us and try and get him on the show at some point. That'd be cool. Yeah. All right. So Mike, one, we appreciate your time, but maybe, you know, you know, finish up with some words of wisdom. You know, again, I think, you know, when we talk about whoop and, you know, we talk about in the performance side of things, you know, if, if the, let's say the general public or let's say a, a consumer were to listen to this podcast, you know, let me kind of break it down and, and tell people why whoop would be for everyone. Right. I think when we talk about elite athletes, things like that, we, we understand why we want them to have that. Right. But why would, let's say a general person want to potentially invest in something like whoop? So like we talked about a little bit earlier, um, everyone can, is trying to be better at something. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what that is. Uh, everyone has a version of themselves they're trying to reach or let's say optimize. Yeah. Um, opt- optimize would be the hundred percent, but let's just say improve. Right. Yeah. And it's very hard to improve things if you don't at least measure it to start with. Yeah. Well, so really what can be, what is measured can be improved. Right. Um, so, you know, Everyone thinks they are doing well in college. I thought I could survive on five hours of sleep and then go row as you know, at my peak performance. And I wondered why eh, I kind of run out of gas, like 80% of the way through this workout. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, a lot of people, 
you know, talking about the, they're sleeping less than they think they are. So let's say you, you said seven hours earlier, just because you spend eight hours in bed, you're not, I can guarantee you, you are not getting eight hours of sleep. No A lot of times uh, people are sleeping about an hour less or more than what they think. Yeah. So they're operating under this sort of false assumption and they're wondering why they're fatigued. And all that's happening is over time, their body is acclimating to a lower level of performance. So what you think is A plus is really like a B minus of huh. what you could truly be. And right. you have no idea. You have no idea. So like I said, I when I got on Whoop, my heart rate variability was 50. And then and for my average, so that's a baseline of 30 days. And I was very fit then. Now, I'm a different type of fit now. You know, I, I do more strength training. I, I, do, I do a little bit less uh, endurance work, one, because there's not as much time. But um, my heart rate variability at a peak was almost at 100. So over the course of three years, yeah. behavioral changes that I made, not training, so take the training aspect out of it, right. the behavioral changes that I made around sleep, sleep environment, hydration, really basic stuff, that's all I was really looking at, right. led to my body being ready uh, more of the time and, and ready to, you know, perform whatever that is I needed. If I was in business school, I, my, my brain was ready. Yeah. Um, you know, when I got to whoop, if I had to talk performance and then, you know, on a sales, all these different things, yeah. uh, I was ready, uh, at a higher level. So sure. it's, it's understanding these things about your body and what can help you or hurt you. Yeah. Um, it's as simple as like, if you didn't even know that, like, a nutrition thing that you've been doing for years is actually like having dairy is not, we're not doing like gut health, right. but if you, let's say you have like yogurt for dessert or something and uh, you don't realize that you're like not getting any deep sleep, something like, you know, things like right. that. Something and then you pull it out sleep. and you're like, Oh wow, this is, this is so, this is low hanging fruit. Unbelievable. Yeah. I've never worn an eye mask before. Now I'm wearing an eye mask and I'm actually staying asleep. Really basic stuff. So Everyone can get better at sleep. And I, right now, I think it's paramount for people to be taking care of themselves and giving themselves permission to take care of themselves. Yeah. Um, you get tired and, and you know, the, the data is there that a lot of what people would call mental disorders or just anxiety and depression, a lot of that comes from not enough sleep. And yeah. this, the world right now is in a state where it'd be really, really easy to have anxiety. Yeah. Uh, and let's amplify that with not enough sleep and nowhere to go. Okay. So let's take let's yeah. control the things you can control and, and nail down that sleep and take, yeah. taking care of yourself and everything, everything will be better from that. So yeah. that's, that is why whoop is, is the best. You can measure this in a way that no one else can. You never have to take it off. So you are truly getting the 24 seven 360 picture of you and yeah. nowhere else can you get that. And I think too, when you talk about the, the current state of what we're, what we're dealing with, when we talk about immune health, right? And immunity and, and immune function, like, like there's, there's no way to make you more vulnerable than to get less sleep and to be more stressed and to be more anxious, right? So I think, you know, when we talk about being able to be more durable and be more resilient to, let's say, illness, I mean, that's a great place to start, right? So, and again, yeah, it's a low-hanging sure. fruit that people just don't pay enough attention to, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that's the big thing, keeping everybody healthy, keeping the people around you healthy. Absolutely. It's a big thing. Well, Mike, one, we appreciate your time. I know you're a busy guy and you've, you've got a brand new baby and, and you've got a lot of stuff kind of going on. But um, for those who are, are listening, maybe want, want to learn a little bit more about Whoop and maybe about you personally, like 
what's the best way they can reach out or contact you? So uh, if you want to learn more about Whoop, I would suggest going to whoop.com and going into the locker. So our locker is our blog where we publish, uh, you know, pieces that we we create ourselves, also some of our research stuff. So there's some very scientific things in there. And then sure. there's some, you know, fin- how do I understand HRV? Uh, our podcast is actually really great for that, particularly things around Whoop metrics, you know, our per- VP of performance science and uh, VP of data analytics, Kristen Holmes and, and Emily Capital Lupo, break all this stuff down. They're outstanding. I would highly suggest it if you're really curious. Answer probably any and all question you'd ever have. Sure. So that's awesome. Well, Mike, we appreciate your time. Um, you know, best of luck to you and your, your, your new family. And, you know, hopefully maybe down the road when you start to kind of, you know, maybe do some different things with Whoop, we'll, we'll bring you back on and we'll go from there. Awesome. That sounds great. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast. We'll catch you on the next episode. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much again for listening to this week's episode of the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast. If you enjoy the content of this show, we would love it if you would leave an iTunes review to help us grow and expand our ability to provide you with the golf information you are seeking. If you're listening to this show and are dealing with aches, pains, or issues from golf that haven't been resolved, or you're not exactly sure where to turn, then let us know how we can help. Whether you are local or not, you can work directly with us through our pain-free golf performance program, which is completely virtual and online. This program is customized to you and your goals of playing your best golf yet. We would assess how well you move to give us a baseline of what you can do, and then based on that assessment, come up with a training program best suited for you. We are offering a special podcast promotion, which gives you access to our program at a reduced rate. You can inquire by going to manaperformancetherapy.com forward slash pain-free golf. Again, MANA is spelled M-A-N-A. So it's manaperformancetherapy.com forward slash painfreegolf and use the promo code podcast when inquiring so we can help you feel better and play better golf. Be sure to tune into next week's episode and we'll catch you then.